0: Good evening my brothers and sisters in Christ. I greet you in the name of our Lord and our Savior who is the Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing. I pray that you're rejoicing and we're glad about it. I want to thank you for joining us in this uh, this week of our Bible study. We continue. Uh, in our series Essential Faith in a Virtual World and I am excited uh, to have a good friend with me on this evening. Listen, uh, in this series I have old friends and I have new friends. This evening, I'm glad to say I've got a new friend with me, a new friend by the name of Tony Montgomery, Pastor Tony Montgomery. As the pastor of the Greater St. James Baptist Church here in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, but actually, he's not a stranger to, to Mississippi. Uh, he hails from South Carolina. Uh, I believe the the name of that city is Hilton, is it? Columbia.
1: I wish it was Hilton <laughs> <Columbia. laughs>
0: Head, <laughs> Right, right, Columbia, South Carolina, very good.
1: If it was Hilton Head. <laughs> there you go, there you go,
0: good enough. Uh, he's a graduate of, of Morehouse College. He's a Morehouse man, uh, and I believe you met your wife in Mississippi. Is that right?
1: I actually met my wife in church in, in Atlanta,
0: right after
1: college, and uh, she had moved there. And of course, I was still there after college, and we met there
0: in church. Yeah. Wow, wow. So, but she is a Mississippian. Is that right?
1: Mississippian. That's how. That's I what do. I. Re- that's the connect. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: it. That's it. And she's from she's from was it Columbus area? I grew up in
1: Columbus. Yep. Grew up in right. Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very yeah. good. Very good. And you all are the proud parents of three children. Is that right?
1: Three children, two girls and one boy.
0: Two 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 girls and a boy. Yes. Yeah. And that boy is Tony the second, right? Tony the second. Yep. Wow. The name Yeah. Damn Listen, man. Tony, I've been I've been I've been following you on Facebook for a minute and uh it looks like that boy has some basketball skills. Tell us about that.
1: Well, uh and I'm 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 running now uh from him uh because we work out every day. Um, we're just fortunate to be able to do it now, uh, be a good friend. But uh he he's been playing basketball since the eighth grade, something he fell in love with and and I had to learn more about the sport. Uh, I'm <laughs> soccer and football, and he picks up a basketball. And, um uh, so he just, uh, finished up prep school, uh, his senior year. And so, uh, we are caught by Corona and waiting on, uh, his offers to come through for college. Um, but yeah, he, he, he sleeps, eat, bas- eats, and basketball. That's Wow. The-
0: yeah, wow, wow, yeah. wow. I've, I've been watching him. He's got the skills. So we, we pray that uh, all those scholarships do start pouring in soon. I know he's yeah. making you guys proud, along with your other children as well, making you guys yeah, proud parents. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man. Our kids
1: are, are are everything to us, and we put everything into them to them that we could uh, to make sure that they get where they're trying to go.
0: Yeah! Wow, wonderful. Now, you've been pastoring for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I've been I pastored 22 years in Columbus, Mississippi, the Missionary Union Baptist Church. Uh, that was my first pastorate, and then came here to Greater St. James um, a year ago uh, was my installation, actually. And uh, so, yeah, man. I'm, but I'm glad to be in Jackson. Excited about being here. Excited about the work. And uh, of course, God connecting me to uh,
0: pastors as yourself, like yourself, man. It's it's just been a joy to be here. That's wonderful. Well, we're, we're glad you and your family are in the city. We're looking forward to the wonderful years of working together and uh, seeing how God is going to uh, use you yeah. to continue to build the kingdom uh, for His glory.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, listen. So we've been having some conversations with uh, some some great great minds, some great brothers. Uh, prior to to this session, uh, we started with uh, Reverend Dennis Grant. Uh, he talked about the nature of God and theology, having our theology straight. Yeah. Uh, after that, we talked uh, with Pastor Robert McCallum, uh, who gave yeah. a riveting. Uh, oh, so you you saw it? I see. Yeah, hey, I mean, that, that boy's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all felt that man. Eschatology, and uh, I, I mean, he took that subject matter and really made it really made it practical for yeah. us. And then, of course, my my great uh, friend and brother, Dr. C. J. Rhodes, uh, on last week uh, discussed with us pneumatology, the work, the workings of the Holy Spirit, particularly uh, among Black Baptists, and yeah. what a great discussion that was as well. Tonight, we want to enter into this uh, subject of Christology, uh, our thinking of Christ, yeah. um, and and in particular, kind of um, who who is this figure, this figure yeah. of Christ, the, the historical. Figure of Christ, the sociological figure of Christ, understanding him as, I guess, as Son, Savior, and sociological figure. How yeah, how, yeah. how do we how do we how does our view of him yeah. uh, shape our faith itself? I I guess I'll sort of frame it in that way and just sort of give you the floor and we'll t- right. let you take it from there. Okay,
1: um, you know, for me and uh, growing up uh, as a PK uh, like yourself um you grow up knowing nothing but church pretty much um and so for me it, 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 knowing christ was everything uh but my grandmother becomes very instrumental in that uh, my faith uh begins with my parents but my grandmother is probably the bedrock of me knowing christ uh per- personally as my savior um and so uh along with uh my parents uh church for me was life. Um and and, and growing up as a child, I joined the church at twelve years old. So um you, you got all the pieces of um you know, singing choir, going to Sunday school, but Sunday school in particular becomes where my reckoning moment of of acknowledging him and knowing him. Um, and for me uh, it begins there but to me to know him is is to know him personally as first of all uh savior okay i start there um to know him personally as a person who uh comes into my life as savior of my life saving me from the worst that could happen to me sin okay Um, And then I get to know him as the person, the son of God, or for lack of a better term, my big brother um, is how I see him um, personally. Uh, And then becoming a preacher, pastor, introducing that person, Jesus Christ, Savior, son of God, my big brother, to sinners um, and building the kingdom. So that's kind of how I view him. Um, it's interesting that you, know, you gave me this subject matter to talk with you about because uh, we're studying Jesus Christ, his words, and works chronologically uh, right now. Um, so um, what I said to uh, the church and what I say to most individuals, uh, to know Christ or to, 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 to know him, study him first not starting at Genesis and then going to Revelations in the Bible, but starting in the Gospels. So who do the Gospels introduce him to be? And we know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us various uh, glimpses, glimpses of who he is. Um, and so chronologically, uh, we've been looking at that. Um, so I would say um, to, to everybody, know him first. Savior, Son of God, and then uh, introduce Him to others.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Savior, Son of God, and then, you know, I, I love that, and then, and then talk to sinners about Him as such. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing, I think, that, that we find, um, um, particularly in, in this present age, uh, when we talk about sharing, uh sharing our view, our perception, our understanding of Christ, there's so many there's so many views out there of who Christ yes. is. Yes,
1: uh, there's
0: so many strains of of religion that that view him as, as a son of God rather yes. than the yes. Son of God. Yes. <laughs> right
1: um,
0: Unpack a little bit of that, particularly as it relates to this this current culture and how we go about presenting this Christ figure um, as it relates to our, our belief, our faith, and, and do we present him correctly? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I would say that uh, there's so many, I'm like you, there's so many views out there, uh, and they come at us fast as Christians. And the problem of Christianity for me most of the time is not being able to tell that from a personal perspective, knowing Christ so well that you can talk about Him to someone else uh, and present Him without uh, without worry that that their view is different and so I can't talk to him about I can't talk to them about the Christ I know. Um, first of all, uh, I would say uh, this. We, we need to, our personal relationship with Christ is so important, so impactful, but we got to get that down so that, so that we can be able to explain it to someone else. So when I look at him um, and, and I try to explain to others who, does he, who is he to me, I, I'm not this person who's scripture quoting Christ, but I'm talking about my personal walk with him more so than anything else um i think that that people people need to to hear about the personal story more than especially up front more than the biblical account if you're trying to disciple them okay just talk to them about who he is personally to you how has how has he interacted with you and gotten you through struggles trials how has he brought you to triumphs that's how i talk about the christ that i know um that's how I, I, I talk to other people about him um more of a personal uh walk through my life from beginning to end through some struggles um through my days in college of course which becomes important to millennials millennials think that because we kind of grand out uh we didn't go to college um so i always go there you know, and I started. I talked to, I talked to millennials about, you know, I was where you were, going to school, school was my thing. I was trying to find out who I was, and I ventured off a bit uh, during my first year, first two years of college, ventured off where? Uh, just more into partying, but still knowing that Christ was still Savior, uh, not going to church as much as I needed to. And so I kind of, that's kind of how I talked to them. And when I talk to young people, it, it's always from a frame of reference of "I was where you are, but here's how I got to where I am now." Yeah,
0: I, I love that. I love that. So, so there is there is then erasing the tension between the Christ of Scripture
1: yeah. and
0: and the Christ of, of of your own walk, right? That yeah. that that you have to know him. Yes, you should know who he is, who the Bible presents him as but you also must know him personally.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Because by the time I get to the Bible and I start dealing with Jesus and his walk um, from 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 the first, from the first meeting there in the manger, then I, I gotta relate that to the circumstances that, that young people find themselves in and people find themselves in today. Look at Jesus' family. Um, so they are they're, they're going to pay their taxes, right? And uh, Jesus is being birthed in that moment. They find themselves where? Uh, Without health care insurance, not being able to get into the hospital, but going to an inn and him being birthed in those circumstances. So you can talk to people from every walk of life from that perspective. Um, When they start to say, okay, there's a real story here, just like mine. So I I leave there, and then I go to the moment when they first take Jesus to church, and I start talking about, you know, do you remember your first experience in church? You know, what was it like for you, and did you want to stay? Because Jesus just wanted to stay, you know. And he stayed there and engaged, you know, his, his elders in a dialogue about who God was. And, you know, so that's how I approach it. Um, and some people say that's crazy. That makes sense to me. Talk to me about Jesus in the scriptures, and I'm like, I'm in the scriptures, but I gotta make that live,
0: breathe, and come alive in your life. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. I, I and I love that approach because what it does is it makes Christ personable. Yes, he is. Yes. He is not a figure. Well, he is a person.
1: He's a person. He's a person. He, he you know he is a child growing up though he is the son of god you know yeah. uh and then even even into his younger years you know uh and and a lot of that is missing but why can't we still connect it what what would you be doing at you know 15 16 17 18 your 20s you know you're just really learning from your parents about life and but by the time he gets 30 you know the ser- that's the seriousness of him finding his path in life, which is for all of us, what we're seeking to do. What is God's mission and ministry for my life? Um, and, and that's how I connect back to those years and, and to, I would say, a middle-aged person. Say, hey, you know, have you found what it is that God wants for you to do with your life? Um, when Jesus uh, enters the ministry at 30, um, there is a serious uh, walk towards God and with God. And most of us spend our uh, from 19 to 29 years uh, doing what we want to do, right? But right about 30, um, you know, families have started to form, relationships have started to uh, dwindle that we don't need. And now we're just dealing with uh, serious relationships, serious friendships. Via um, people who are like disciples to Him, uh, close uh, comrades that we can walk and talk and share life with.
0: Yeah. So, so I wonder if you could stay right there for just a moment because um, you, you're really talking about making Jesus relatable. Yes. Right. That 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 I I I know who He is personally, but I also know Him because I can relate to Him. Yes. I think that's a powerful uh, point, particularly for people of color,
1: yeah.
0: um, uh, who, who for so long, that's been a that's been a struggle because of the images that we've been presented of Christ. Yeah. Do we, as African American people, see ourselves in Christ's narrative? Do we see ourselves represented? And so, uh, a big question that millennials will raise is how can i how can i accept him if i can't relate to him yeah. and i think some i think imagery plays a part in that can you can you talk a little bit about that because i'm, I'm I, I think that's a rich for yeah. me
1: original imagery right now is everything because we're trying to reach a generation that may not have ever walked through the door of a church i mean the the generation of millennials now um it doesn't mean that their parents were church people their grandparents may have been but doesn't mean their parents are and so how do we reach them and, and when you start talking about jesus yes they have so been uh for lack of a better term whitewashed in terms of imagery they still they still see the the picture of jesus um with the long white long blonde hair white white face blue eyes and that's framed in their mind. And then all you have to have is one Muslim to tell you what. That's the white man's religion, right? And man, and you look at your skin, and you look at what's going on in our culture now with the loss of life in the streets of America, um, you start to wonder, um, you know, well, why is it? Why, if, if Jesus is Jesus, God's son, why has he allowed me to fall among the oppressed? And why doesn't he deliver us from this? And so, when someone starts to talk to you about church, the Bible, Jesus, all the imagery comes back. And 99% of the imagery that you have of Jesus or people of the Bible, somewhere in your mind, it's white. Cin- cinematography has done it, photography has done it. And so, um, we've got to get to a point where we can put images that look like us uh In front of our church members and in front of our children, uh, I never shall forget it. my last pastor. I walked in, um, and there in the room, uh, in our deacon's room, was a picture of Last Supper. And all, you know, the imagery was totally white. One of the first things I said to him is, "Jim, can I can I replace that picture?" And they said, "Why would you replace the picture?" you know that's almost blasphemy right you that's blasphemy Reverend. why you got to replace that picture that's Lord's supper and i simply brought to them a picture a lord's supper with african-american imagery in and they said oh we understand i said you should you're 60s you are civil rights generation people and you know what our biggest our biggest fight has been just to be equal okay And the only way to be equal or to to seemingly uh, bring about an equal uh, liberum in the minds of our people is for them to see themselves as a part of the story of the Bible. The question becomes, where are the black people in the Bible? One of my college professors asked me this, Dr. Aaron Parker, uh, who is from Canton, Mississippi. He asked me, my question is not, where are black people in the Bible? My question is, where are Europeans in the Bible? Okay. So uh wow. Wow. You to just, you know, I, I took it from religion and philosophy. So wow. he started to we had two books, uh, from Plato to Socrates. That was our class book, our structured book for class that we had to do for Sachs. But we had one other book that we really in class every day looked at and that was Stolen Legacy by George James. Okay, so, and and therein you find uh, that whole piece about, you can't miss where Israel is. You can't miss where Palestine is. You can't miss where Egypt is. That's Northeast Africa. And so for me, man, studying the life of Jesus, I'm often doing it with a map with our church members. I want them to see this, you know, yeah, they call this the Middle East. This is Northeast Africa. So let's just get that right. And, and, and I'm like, you, hey, Reginald, no, everybody was not black. But certainly, everybody couldn't have been white. So when you start to say that to teenagers, you can see their eyes light up because they're like, oh, I'm a part of this? Yes, you are as an African-American person with uh, African heritage, a part of this story, how is it that Jesus, a baby, can just wander off into Egypt and stay there for a little while, at least until his parents are safe? That, you know, That's that first reference, right? Of, I sent my son into Africa, into Egypt, it says, but we missed the fact that Egypt is in Africa. And then I called him out of there back to the area where he would be raised. So uh, I try to point to that imagery as much as I can. Maps help, um, And then I, I can't say enough about the arts and trying to within our churches. If our churches would, would do this, you know, back in the day, everything started at church. Our politicians came out of church. Teachers came out of church, right? Our, our art and our artistry, our poets, church. We gotta get back to that. We've gotta again start producing that kind of church culture that
0: impacts the world's culture. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that the the, the, the merging uh, of of the arts and, and our spiritual lives. Yeah. And in fact That that our spiritual lives inform our art.
1: Yeah, yeah. What we
0: believe informs what we what we put out there.
1: There you go. I mean, your church has a wonderful uh, dance ministry, and and I've watched them, of course, uh, numerous times. Um, But but you know, people when you when you say church and dance, you know, we we go blank. Though it's there, the psalmist says, praise him with the dance, right? And and we it's like uh, we separate our religion from our everyday walk. And that's not how religion and the everyday walk was everything to Jesus and everything to our ancestors. We saw it as a oneness, not a separateness, that because we talk religion, we no longer talk life no spirit is life and and we've got again reintroduce that to this generation that you know as a people we we are so connected spiritually uh to god to christ as savior and 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 i may be venturing a little bit but let me let me let me take this down this road too so in that book stolen legacy by george james uh, we were introduced to the story of Isis and Horace and this baby. And it's the, it's, it's the story of Jesus just in Egyptian drawings in the pyramids. And for me, my college professors, as I said, uh, Dr. Parker, of course, he's not going to miss that. He's going to connect that to, is this not the Christian story? Don't miss, this is not the Egyptian story. This is the Christian story on an Egyptian wall. Okay? So that's how he connected for me. That's how I try and connect it for young people. As quickly as I can, I try to introduce them to to all of that um, along with the Bible teaching. And that way, you know, they're not kind of, they're not separating, and they can walk into a classroom with this. That that's where it becomes really interesting, where they walk back into a classroom and say to their
0: their teacher, their history teacher, "That's not right." Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So so there there are some who who even might be watching this tonight who who would say you know, Rev, Rev, you know, we like your preaching, we like your teaching, but but you sound like Black Power now, and hey, hey you uh-huh. know. Leave my Jesus alone. Hey, why are you messing with my Jesus? And I'm good. What, what, why is that important? Why is it important that we get Christ right? Because,
1: uh, I, I'll, I'll say this. Because Jesus is, the, is not the Jesus of prosperity. He's the Jesus of the disinherited. That's what Howard Thurman said. And if you get that wrong, if you get that wrong, that Jesus was on the side of the oppressed, the persecuted, you miss the very essence of who he is and, and, and what he stood for. So, I, you know, I know, yeah, Morehouse kind of introduced me to this concept, and but I, I'll say to anybody, I'm not anti-white, but I am pro-black. I am. I am, I am, you know, when you start dealing with me, I am, but I want my people to understand that Jesus died for them too. He lived for them too. So that they don't disconnect when it comes to God. Without, Without God in our lives, we are powerless, okay? And I don't care what color you are, he's the most powerful entity that you've ever been introduced to, secularly or in religion. It's God. Um, You miss that, and you miss your power source. So, yeah, I I introduce a lot of uh, black theology, we call it, um, but only to empower them to, to not miss that God loves us too. First question I always get from young people, aren't we the cursed people in the Bible? And I'm going, that's such a misunderstanding, or a misteaching, or a miseducation. How could we be? There is no no cursed people that are African-American. Not. There are too many images uh, in the Bible of us in powerful, Positions and in positions of strength for that to be true, and I think we we don't we don't stop pause and shh, and teach it enough. You yeah,
0: Tony, let's let's go deeper into that because um, we're we're living in an age now, um, and I I know I've, I've gotten questions from from my millennials as well. Uh, we we've had in sort of engaging. Uh, dialogue with, with people not even associated with the church around this topic of, of the black Hebrews yeah. and, and that movement and, and uh, I mean if you, if you YouTube it you'll see a lot of um, interactions where these guys are going toe to toe with each other yeah. on on who Jesus is, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Christian apologetics uh, yeah. going against the black Hebrews and, and they're going toe to toe Neither yeah. backing down. Now, I don't know that a lot of us would be able to go toe to toe like that. And, and and yet there's a there is that there is there is that tension of do you know your Christ and can you represent him can you represent him well? Right,
1: right, and and, and you know and, and, and that's where we just got and, and we got to start as the Bible tells us teach them young, you know, start them young. So engaging youth. Ministries of various churches in dialogue and debate about that, you know, Uh, to where their minds start to stretch and start to understand that um, you cannot and should not miss Jesus as a Jew. That's who he was. The pictures that they're seeing does not represent a Jewish person. That's why I think this, the, maybe one of the most important trips after, after the trip to Africa is to take our children to Jerusalem or to the Holy Land or to that region so we can see, and yes, there's been a lot, a lot of racial mixing, but we still can find people who still look like the people of the body. And when they see them, what do they see? They don't see white, they don't see black, but they do see people of what? Color. That's important. We've got to get them to see that because all they're seeing is the mistreatment of people of color in America. But when they get to that region where Jesus lived taught, and died, they see people of color in prominent position. And I think the world media has suppressed that to show us that everybody in that region of Northeast Africa is bad, but everything European is
0: good. That's bad. Yeah. So, so the the power of imagery, the power of narrative. Um, let, let's, I, I, if you could unpack a little bit, then, um, you know, the Bible, when it when it talks about Christ, the Bible uses lots of different terminology. You you see the Son of God yes. in Scripture. You see the Man of God yes. as well. Maybe unpack a little bit of that in, in, term, in, in this Christological conversation. Now what, is there a difference? Why is there the difference of language there?
1: Well, it depends on the writer. The writer is presenting him one of the writers of the gospels is presenting him, as who, the Son of God, okay that God's Sent his only begotten Son into the world as our Savior, and then there would be another writer who would want to show you just this this man who served God as Savior. Um, but they are one and the same. It's just a different viewpoint, a different perspective. It's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like uh, looking at a picture. If I looked at a picture straight on, I would see and pick up on certain things. But if I got a side view of that picture, I might pick up on something a little bit different. You and I do it to Scripture um, every, every week. We can go to the same Scripture. We can go to that same Scripture four weeks in a row and get and glean something a little different about the same story about the same person and personality so I, I think that teaching the gospels you can't just teach one and one of them will always be our favorites luke is my favorite I, i'll tell anybody that I, I think that luke and then after luke mark you know but somebody else will say well no i like i like the matthew story more And then somebody said no i like the john story more is that not about the same person yeah it's about one christ different pictures different viewpoints different perspectives but his work and his mission was the same he came as savior and died for us before he died he taught us everything we needed to know to get from here to glory um so i think and again, maybe that's why my, my initial teachings at Greater St. James are, "Let's start with Jesus. Let's know who He is. Let's look at him at every perspective of the writers, but let's not miss that God sent His Son into the world to save us.
0: so so in, so in starting with Jesus then, Jesus as Christ, yeah. what what does that mean as Christ?
1: As Christ, he is the anointed one of God who comes into the world with one express purpose and that is to save us from sin. He and only he can do that. We may run into a bunch of great preachers and a bunch of great teachers and a bunch of great Christians, but only Christ gives himself as the anointed one, who when he dies, and when his blood is shed, he saves us from sin. The only one, the Christ of God. God's anointed. Um, there is only one of those. Great prophets, yes. Great people, yes. But
0: only one son. So that that's interesting because, I, I think I referenced it in one of the earlier um, Lectures. Uh, if you were watching, I don't know if you had a chance to see it uh, when when uh, Clay Evans passed and that funeral was held in Chicago. Yeah, uh, it was a beautiful service. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and and uh, uh, all the preachers did some wonderful things, but but all of the Twitter verse and 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 Facebook were 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 riveted by Farrakhan. Right? right. They were like Farrakhan, shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> right? And. and and who'd have thought? Yeah, right.
1: Who would have thought? But, but he is proof positive. And, and if you listen to him, I mean, this man says that Jesse Jackson was the one who pressed upon him who Jesus really was, Savior. And then he talks about his relationship with, with Clay Evans. And nobody's looking for that nobody is the, the more recent years of farrakhan's life have been so christ-centered to where it is really unimaginable even to me if you'd imagine i'm in college in the 80s and for us everything is the revolution the revolution and we're we are you know one of my favorite shirts to wear my was college was was Malcolm x by any means necessary right I would that's it out. Um, but as a Christian, of course, I was struggling through this thing, too, of, yeah, but is Christianity doing enough for my people and enough for me? I came to the conclusion that, yes, it was. I needed Martin and Malcolm. Not, not, not either or. Bovan. And that's where Farrakhan is now, a guy who can talk to you about the best of what Islam offers, but also can't resist to talk about the Christ who saved the world. Farrakhan,
0: a Muslim, really? Wow! But we missed so, it. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that, Tony? What do you do with and the?
1: We, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta go to the story of of, of Ishmael, right? And we've got to go there to Esau and Jacob. And we've got to stop there and teach it and show that, yes, you know, two nations born out of these boys, right? One Islam and one Jewish Hebrew nation. But they started together. They, they have to come back to end together. We can't go into the separation mode on that, and, and and it seems it seems to me the the oh gosh I don't even want to go here. <laughs> let me go here. So these these people uh, who call themselves Christians, European in their thought process, would love to divide. Christianity from Islam. You can't. You can't. Even the very language of the Bible, Aramaic. I mean, come on. That's that's the that that Jesus is speaking it, and and we have to learn all these different languages. Why? Because the New Testament, uh, while before the Greeks are brought in. What, are we, what language are we talking about? What language are we speaking? How is it that uh, we can go back again to the story about uh, Jacob and Esau, or, or Ishmael and Isaac? And if we ch- if we if we follow that story, where they split from each other, one father Abraham, father of our faith, has two boys, but they go re- religiously in two different directions. Same boys though. But what is God's promise over both boys? God promises that he's gonna bless Ishmael. Isaac is the promise seed, but he's gonna bless Ishmael. If we don't get that right, that's why the world's a mess, I say. Because we have separated them, we want them to be separate, and we don't wanna marry them back together So that there'll be peace in the world, but all the wars of the world are being fought now about what
0: those two people. Tony, somebody's gonna say you were listening to my sermon this past Sunday, man. (laughs) Hey,
1: (laughs) sermon? Listen to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really? Look, man, I'm going from I'm going from I go to everybody's service because I want. The fullness of it—that's that, the beauty. Now we're all online, right? So we can go, man, and watch, and hear, and listen, and learn, and glean, and, and what you know. In this moment of pandemic, God is at work because I'm starting to just go: Are we all preaching the same thing on Sundays? And how is that happening? Without—I I mean, we're talking each other a lot, but it's starting to sound like one message and multiple pulpits. On any given Sunday.
0: Wow, oh, wow, wow.
1: Here I am in Jackson, Mississippi. I don't know what's gonna happen, but you know I can pull up Jamal Bryant. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Moses' mother. Well, that's what I preached about. My sermon was about Moses' mother. You know, and 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 how God worked that thing out. But oh yeah, I mean, don't think I ain't listening to you, Pastor. <laughs> No, 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 no. You, 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 you,
0: you, you're doing your own thing, and I, I promise you, I'm listening more to you than you are to me. I'm I promise learning. you that. No, I'm listening and
1: learning, man. <laughs> so, no, don't don't think I'm not catching catching the
0: broadcast from Cage. Yes, <laughs> Bless you, man. Bless you. So, so yeah. So this, um, if you would take a take a moment then and. And really just, if you would just pour out to someone, someone who's who's really trying to grapple intellectually, spiritually as well, with their concept of Christ because because of how culture has presented him. Or oftentimes how Christians have represented him. Um, and and the two and also how how Scripture presents him and those three don't always converge very well. Yeah,
1: they they don't, but they should uh, because like like I said, the Bible doesn't just say read me; it says study me. And in order to do that properly. I'm going to need to know some history. I'm going to need to know some geology. I'm going to need to know geography, archaeology. And if I can put all those, if I can put all those things together, my, my viewpoint of Jesus becomes different. Um, and I would say to, to people, don't just read one person. Don't just read one perspective. Read different perspectives about who Jesus is get your basis yes know him as savior but from there read different perspectives so you'll understand different arguments about who he is and how he now needs to exist amongst uh this this generation that's coming up um for me um i have 26 year old 24 year old and a 19 year old in my house so you can imagine but for me, I engage them all the time. I want to know, what do you think about this? Why do you think that that didn't work? And, and we talk everything from Bible you know, to, to little baby. I want to I engage them so I can win the next generation. How do I need to talk to them? What's important to them? But you know what, Pastor Buckley? And I might be off based on what your question was. Here's one of the most powerful things my, my, uh, my 24-year-old, now 25-year-old, said to me. I was talking about how uh, I close sermons and what I'm doing. I have a variation of things I do. And she said to me, Daddy, I need you to go to Calvary every Sunday. She said, in fact. On Sundays where you don't say one dark Friday on a hill called Calvary.
0: Wow. And wow.
1: I said, Wait a minute. You a millennial.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I said, y'all don't like that. She said, Daddy, I need you to go there every Sunday. It blew me away because I'm thinking I got to use a a modern way to reach her. But Jesus promised us one thing it's the preaching of the cross.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: The teaching of the cross. Yes, sir. That's where the power is. Wow. Wow. And, and so, as much as I want to intellectualize and answer that question a different way for you? My, daughter, my daughter's words just came back in my mind. No, I need to know God's son is my savior. I need to know he died on a hill on Calvary. I need to know that he rose with all power, and he, being the power of the Holy Spirit, is giving that power to me right now, to live, breathe, to do whatever I need to do for God. That that's powerful. Thing.
0: That is powerful.
1: For a that, 25 so year old. yeah, a 26 year old. For my son who was 19. I, he blows me away sometimes because that's the one that I thought I'm going to have to really work hard to keep this boy connected to Christ. <laughs> right. <laughs> and. Last year, as you heard me say, went away to prep school. So one of the things I said, what do you need before you go to school? You know, I'm thinking it's clothes, his shoes. He said, dad. I need this devotional. I said, you need what? I need this devotional. And man, we bought that devotional for him before he left for college, and he read it every day. He would be Instagram posting it. And I have to ask myself, what is it that I really need to do? I don't need to, I need to be real to my kids. Pastors need to be real to their parishioners. We don't have to put on airs and be holy rollers. They need the simplicity of the gospel, of the story of who Jesus was.
0: That is so powerful, man.
1: That That is so, that's that's amazing. That's what people are longing for and hungry for. It's not the suits, the ties. See, when you told me I didn't have to wear no tie today, (coughs) yes. (laughs) Yes, sir. Because, man, how can you identify me as a pastor in a suit and tie but you can't identify the Christ that lives me if I'm in a baseball cap and some shorts in Walmart?
0: Preach, man. Preach, man.
1: So I'm trying to present him in his realness. In
0: and and in, in, in a, and in relationship one to another. Um, so, Tony, Tony this, 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 I'm so glad you shared that about your, your children because I think oftentimes um, we are misjudging millennials. We are. I I, I think that all of the the Bonner research and the Pew, all of that, all, I think all of that is painting with a broad brush. Is. About who these kids are, these young adults are, yeah. and what they need and what they want. Right. And and that story is so powerful because it says, no, don't don't put us in that no. in that boat of, of of assuming that faith is not important to us.
1: Yeah, it is because they need something they can believe in. Okay. And and who are they watching the most? Their parents, right? And 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 even their peers who be, are believers, when they see that, that that's powerful for them. Um, and so we, I I'm amazed that yeah, I want to believe the research, and I want to you know go out there and try many things. And yes, I know you know just like right now we're using technology uh, to to get across the gospel. But I've learned so much from from young people in terms of. I don't expect for you to uh, to be overly holy when you talk to me. You don't have to quote scripture, but can you show me and tell me why I need to connect with God in a real way? You know, what's He going to do for me at, at, when I'm at school? What is a relationship with God going to do for me when I'm trying to find a job? You know, how does that work? Um, People are looking for a realness and a real presentation of who Christ is, and then they will look for him in the book, and they will study the book. But can I get you let's, – let's, let's, let me say it this way. Jesus met people where they were, and then he fixed what was wrong right there. Then he said, come follow me. Okay, We are trying to reach people and bring them to where we are immediately instead of helping them where they are in their current situation, building a relationship, and then allowing God to work through us and in us to show us, to, to show them a path that they need to be on. Okay? I think too much of it, what we're doing now and calling church, is really tradition passing, but not a real passing of the person of Jesus Christ. They love, they think we know what church is, but we don't know what Jesus' mission for the church was or is is it just going to church every sunday putting a check in the box no it is going to church every sunday worshiping him leaving the church and then monday through saturday showing the world the love of jesus in how we interact with each other doesn't matter what color you are doesn't matter where you live or don't live can i see jesus in you then I'll follow you, I'll connect with you. But if I don't see him, if I, the only, old ladies tell me this, son, the only sermon I wanna, wanna hear is the one I can see. And if I don't see him in you, then I'm not listening to you talk about him. So they, People have needs. If we begin there meeting their
0: needs, then they'll listen to us to hear about our Christ. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we have just a few more minutes, Tony. So if, if one, one thing I want to, uh, and I'm asking all all our brothers as we um, uh, engage essential faith is to, is to talk about um, your assigned topic in the context of the pandemic um um christ and our our view of christ in the context of COVID COVID 19. um what do you what do you hear the spirit saying during this time about about our view of christ in in this context why what do you what do you sense god saying to the church about our understanding of christ uh in the context of of, of the pandemic yeah
1: for me, uh, this started as an unbelievable time period of, of trying to say, OK, there's a pandemic. There, there is a medical crisis in the world. Look to the Bible to see what the Bible would say about this, and, and the Bible's very clear, um, that God, no matter how you think this started, some scientists, <laughs> uh, some lab, some crazy uh, politicians who got together, some, um, some billionaire and his friends trying to take over the world, God says this, I, I will send Famine, disease, and all of those things to get your attention, to draw you back to me. And in those moments, it's about my relationship with you. And so I started to focus on, well, then what is God saying? Why would God allow this to happen? Um, It seems this way, um, just in some of the research I've done, that every 100 years, there's pandemic or some type of crisis upon this earth. And I keep saying, man, that's just God trying to call us back to him. Now, let's let's listen to God and say, God, no, and and ask God, what do you want us to learn? What are we supposed to be gleaning from this moment? Um, For me, it is this. Maybe church, maybe we missed it. Maybe we've been missing it. We want to be in the building. We want to be in the building. And God said, okay, I'm going to put you out of the building. Can you still do ministry? Because Jesus only went in there into the temple for teaching, trying to teach who? People who did not understand God. But Jesus' work and ministry and life was spent out in the streets, the highways and the byways, doing ministry, saving souls. So I'm assessing as a pastor, are, do people understand that they're all gifted, and they need to know what their gift is so that they can use that gift every day to serve God and to minister to people? For me, last night, my first, other than Bible study and sermons on Sunday, last night I started the Zoom class for spiritual gifts. Because if, if I can get Greater St. James to understand that we're all saved by God and gifted by God to save this world via our gifts, to help save people and minister to people via our gifts, I think that that's what he is saying to our church in particular. That's what he's saying to me as a pastor. We're not engaging in ministry enough. Um, this pandemic is forcing us to be creative and to figure out a way to get the word out and to get the work done of God outside of a building. That, that's the biggest takeaway for me. I don't know what it is for everybody else. My biggest takeaway is you better figure out how to do church when there is no building.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: if you go back if you go back and think, I mean for me, you know what my greatest moments are right now? Doing Bible study outdoors. And and one of my members asked me, What are you doing outside? Is this Bible study? Am I watching Bible study? And I said, Yes, yeah, this is Bible study. I said, But Jesus was outside, wasn't he? One of the greatest sermons ever preached called Sermon on the Mount, outside. So I'm reassessing a lot of things. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I think that God the pandemic is not about not about world uh, affairs, it's about God telling us you get a little bit closer. Now get it right. Focus on the mission and ministry of saving souls. You're getting closer. And I'll never tell you, tell you how close you are, cause I'm gonna come just like I said I was, like a thief in the night. But the pandemic is a refocus.
0: Yeah, wow, that's strong, brother. I I I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that. And uh, you have you have uh, inspired us tonight. You've helped us tonight uh, to to not just know the the Christ of the scriptures right but to to know him as your personal savior one that you're walking with and talking to and and growing uh in relationship with and uh so thank you for that brother i we we appreciate you and
1: well thank thank you for having me on i i want to share one last thing and i must do this um life for me is different um i didn't have to live to see 2020 uh in 2019 uh i faced about the cancer um right about this time last year uh diagnosed with the stage one cancer um and coming out of that original um and and knowing that i could have i could have died that could have been my last year to get to this year says to me okay man with all you got left, do the will of God. Show people who Jesus is. And don't be apologetic about it. Um, talk to them straight. Um, don't fudge conversations because life is too short. Um, so I'm a little different now, and I don't apologize for the way I feel about things or say things. I want people to understand that life is precious. God don't have to give it to you, doesn't have to give you tomorrow, doesn't have to give you next year. And so every moment that I have, um, I try to some kind of way impact people um, with, with with the knowledge i have about jesus the knowledge i have about life and i thank you and Kay for uh, your friendship it's new yes it's um but it's refreshing man to get to a new city um and to be embraced by a brother and his church his church members um and to do the work that god has called us to do so i'm excited to be here in jackson i'm excited about uh our relationship the relationship we formed with. Uh, those uh other uh preachers that we did seven last words with i'm excited about the work we're going to do here in jackson and uh in the state of mississippi and the world so thank you for this opportunity uh to come on if i if i ventured away from where we were supposed to be (laughs) y'all just have to forgive me and love me anyway Um, (laughs) but uh, i am saved born again and i'm going to heaven when i die i just don't want to be tomorrow (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, listen. You, you don't worry about venturing because we learned about pneumatology last week, and we know that the spirit will take over. So we we are okay with that. We are okay. Right. Uh, thank you so much, brother. And again, it it's it, it's been our joy to have you on, and and again to to develop this relationship, this friendship. I'm looking forward to the awesome things that God is going to do uh, through our ministries together and collectively uh, uh, as as the body of Christ. Uh, there, there, there's 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 going to be great glory that God's going to get out out of this, and so I'm excited about that. Tony, if you will, why don't you give us a closing prayer?
1: Yes, why
0: don't you pray with us? God, we thank you for
1: all that you are doing right now. But we know, God, yes, you are still large, and you are still in charge of this world. It belongs to you. We are just stewards. We are just uh, keepers of all that you have entrusted to us. So, God, we thank you for this moment and we thank you for this dialogue about your son, Jesus Christ, who he is and who he shall be. He is Lord of Lord, King of Kings. And we ask you, God, to open our eyes that we might see and open our ears that we might hear, open our hearts that we might love. And then God asks you to bless this man of God and his church and his ministry. Bless people all over the world, those who are suffering from coronavirus and those who are just suffering from fear and panic. God, speak to them and show them that you are their saving grace. In Jesus' name we
0: pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Listen, we're going to get ready and take our leave. but just before I do, listen, want to let you know we will look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning uh, at 11 a.m. Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for our online services. Also, uh, parents, parents uh, who have children who normally attend our children's church, listen, starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, you can go on the K Chapel app uh, and children's church uh, will be available there. We want you to start doing that this Thursday. Uh, Because we recognize that, listen, on Sunday morning, everybody's fighting for the TV. Everybody's fighting for screen time and all of that. So you might want to go ahead this uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and download their materials there, their coloring sheets, worksheets, all of that, and their videos there uh, uh, that, that, include ourselves and and the the curriculum that we've been using uh, over the last few years. And so parents, we want you to go make sure that your children uh, are registered with us as well. Also, we're looking forward to our Sunday School and Vacation Bible School starting as well. Vacation Bible School will be in June, uh, just next month. Sunday School will be starting online as well. You will get that information just shortly. So we are doing everything we can online to keep you guys connected with us. We want you to go to the app, go to the K-Chapel app, look for updates there. Make sure that you're clicking on those tabs, because anything that's new and refreshed, you'll find it right there. God bless you and God keep you. We'll see you on Sunday. Good night.